Welcome to the Developing Leaders Impacting Kids podcast, a podcast all about sharing ideas, tips, and strategies to help you develop as a Kidman leader. Thanks for listening to today's episode, featuring a favorite presentation from one of our training experiences. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and institutes of children's ministry, visit our website, cogop.org slash children. Well, tonight I would like to talk about leading a transformational children's ministry. And I was just listening to your introduction. And actually, my kids are now almost 16, 18, and 20. And so my kids, like everyone's kids, are growing very fast. And uh, they are definitely the most important thing uh, in my life. Um, But tonight I want to talk about leading a transformational children's ministry. Um, and I've got some slides here that I want to I want to share with you. But there's five things that I kind of want to try to cover over the next 15 or 20 minutes. Um, and those include things like um, the child. What do we need to know about the child? What do we need to know about the environments that we create? Uh, the family as partner. Some pitfalls to avoid and some challenges that we face. So there's going to be kind of five sections. You can see it on your screen now that we're going to break down and go through as we talk about a transformational ministry. Uh, The word transformational uh, is a big word. It's a big concept. It's a big dream. It's a big goal uh, for us in children's ministry. We don't want to just buy time with kids. We don't just want to uh, meet their physical needs necessarily, although that's important. We really want to see life transformation happen. And so we want to talk about how do we make that happen? So first of all, let's talk about the child. Uh, It all starts uh, with the child. And there's three kind of big brush ideas that I want to I want to push out there. Um, first of all, when you have a transformational ministry, uh, you're going to prioritize the spiritual formation of children. That's going to be the number one thing in your ministry is understanding who the kids are and how to best reach them. And so you're going to prioritize that. The second thing that I think is kind of a big idea uh, is that we probably need to move away from an individualistic model of ministry where everything is about me to more of a community or family model. Our kids need to be a part of a, of a community of faith that feels like family. That is such a need for kids today. So if we want to have a transformational ministry, we want there to be community and family in it. The third kind of big idea is that we want to rely on small groups for transformation rather than large groups. One of the things that we know in children's ministry right now is that um, there's been this trend towards large group ministry where we have a big, large room with a bunch of kids in it with a few adults. um, And we've gotten away from those really small, intimate groups of kids where they can have a relationship uh, with their teacher. And so a transformational ministry is going to rely on that small group for that, not on the large group. So those are kind of some big brush ideas. But if we think specifically about the child, we need to understand the kids that we teach today. They're different than the kids that we were. And so if you go to the next slide, I want to kind of give you some information about children today. When we look at Generation Alpha, which is this generation of the youngest kids in our ministries right now, there's some characteristics about them that I think that we need to know and that will inform us uh, and will influence us in how we do ministry. First of all, physically, um, we know that they have a decline in fine motor skills. They're doing less messy play. They're cutting and pasting less. They're doing more swiping, more big muscle things. And so their fine motor skills are are not as good. We also know that physically they're not as hardy. Uh, They're not as resilient. 
Um, and some people feel that part of that is because of, of hygiene, antibiotics, too little outdoor play, all those types of things uh, that's actually making our kids less uh, able to withstand um, attacks from the outside physically. Uh, so that we know that they need more outdoor play uh, to be able to do that. We know that the healthiest kids are actually those who grow up on a farm and, and are in dirt and play and are able to get dirty and do things outside. The other thing that we know about them physically is that their brains are developing differently because of technology. All kinds of studies on that, but we know that if they spend more than two hours a day, that um, they get lower scores on thinking and language tests, and those are backed up uh, with studies. And so we know that they are physically, their brain is developing differently. So that's going to impact how we do ministry. The, the second big area is the social emotional side of kids today. Uh, you know, and I know that anxiety and depression, even in young children, is at, at a higher level than it's ever been. We also know that kids today struggle having empathy because of that disconnection that they have. And um, we also know that they're more isolated. They go home, and they stay inside. Uh, they're not um, able to go outside and to do the things that other kids have been able to do for generations before. We also know from Aiken that they're being socialized cyber through cyber socialization, um, that they are uh, learning to relate to people via a phone, via text messaging and those types of things. So that changes their social skills. And then finally, we know that they have diminished levels of FaceTime with adults. Right. Most adults, even when they're with their kids, are distracted. And so they need more eye to eye contact and FaceTime with adults because they're not getting it. So those that's physically, social, emotionally. Let's go to the next one. Um, that's going to be um, mentally. Uh, it's important for us to understand that preschoolers don't transfer what they learn from iPads to the real world. If we give a preschooler an app that teaches them how to do Legos with an app, and then we actually give them Legos, they're not going to perform the same. They're going to perform differently. We also know that um, watching videos does not have the same result as face-to-face -face interaction. So when we think about children's ministry, is a video-driven ministry the best way to teach kids? May or may not be, uh, based on what we know from studies. We know that they're more specialized than ever before, but maybe more importantly, we know that they don't have a lot of filters in their life. Uh, our moms and dads used to be our filters and they would let the good information in and keep the bad information out. And because of the Internet, because of their phones, uh, there's no filters and that affects their thinking. Spiritually, though, probably the most important area that we want to pay attention to is that we know they're being raised, many of them, by post-Christian parents. Right. And so they don't they are being exposed to opposing worldviews in every area of their life. Um, and they're attending church less frequently than any generation before. And so we're seeing less and less spirituality in kids and less biblical literacy. And so those are some things about the child that I think we have to keep those things in the back of our mind as we do the next thing, which is to design the environments. So if we can go to the environments slide, uh, you and I as leaders have the opportunity to design the environment. And we have to decide what is important in order to have a transformational ministry, not just a trendy ministry, not just a fun ministry, although it's important to have fun, but what do we need to do to create an environment where transformation happens? First of all, I think we need to think family and not theater. There's a whole different experience when you go to a place and feel like you're a part of a family, when you feel like you're a part of a community, whereas when you just go for a performance at a theater. 
Hendricks says, you can impress people at a distance, but you can only impact them up close. You only see transformation when you're up close. We need to use more dialogue than monologue. So create environments where kids get to talk. Remember, they, they don't have as good soft skills. And so we've got to work on that. We've got to give them opportunities to articulate what they believe. We need to think carefully about how we use technology. And this is probably the one that, that is the most important for us just to consider, just to consider this. If we know that most all experts are saying our kids are too reliant on technology, they're in front of a screen too much, uh, you would, you'd be hard-pressed for anybody to tell you that kids needed more time in front of a screen or more time on technology. So if we know that, do we want to bring kids to church and sit them in front of another screen? It's a question we need to ask ourselves. Um, the second thing about that is we need to remember that the technology that we're using in churches is mostly first-generation technology. It's very passive. It's a projector on a screen, and kids are passively taking in information. The kids today, the technology that, they're, that they are uh, learning with and using at school, it's fifth- or sixth-generation technology. It's collaborative. They are co-creators in everything that they do. And so even our own technology is not necessarily at the level that they're used to. Uh, and so I would advocate for, um, for more interaction, more dialogue, and maybe less technology based upon what we know and the needs of children. Um, another thing would be the environments. We want to champion missional living. And not so much a fancy building. We've kind of gone through that phase of the Disney like environments. And I think what parents are really interested in is the missional focus. And so we need to bring that to the environment that we create. We want to make scripture the focus. That seems so elementary, but you'd be surprised uh, how many churches aren't making that the focus. Uh, older kids need apologetics. They need to know why they believe what they believe. They need scripture memory. And so in those environments, what can we offer that technology can't? We have a lot to offer. We offer a relationship, a relationship. Relationships are the, are the secret sauce to a transformational ministry. Um, we offer a horizontal relationship with us, but most importantly, there's that vertical relationship with God. And we, we offer that in technology camp. We also give kids meaningful dialogue, and hopefully we're teaching them empathy. We're teaching them to put themselves in the place of another person. And so those environments are really important. Um, we also want to create environments where kids, looking at the next slide, kids are fully known and fully loved. Create environments where children are fully known and fully loved. That's a popular song, a chorus to a popular song right now in contemporary Christian music, but who doesn't want to be fully known and also fully loved? In order to fully know and fully love kids, we have to know when they're there, when they're not. We have to have a relationship with them. We have to have small groups, um, and we have to be able to interact with them. The, another thing that we need to understand is that circles, small groups, and centers, as in learning centers, blocks, puzzles, home living, art, those types of things, those things cannot be completely replaced with rows. When I, what I mean by that is kids don't need to be in rows so much as they need to be in circles and centers, talking to adults, interacting with kids. And so we can't completely replace that with the large group ministry in front of the screen. We also know that in the, the environments need to cultivate soft skills for kids. Again, we need to recognize that our older kids need to know how to defend their faith. And then as we create those curriculum choices, 
or as we create those uh, transformational environments, we need to realize that curriculum choices matter. So what do you value? If you value small group interaction, then make sure you choose a curriculum that's going to support that, that's going to provide what a teacher might need for that. So make sure that you're choosing curriculum that uh, supports what you value. Finally, this is a, more of a freebie for parents maybe, but free play where kids get to choose and outdoor learning should be valued. There's so much research out there right now about how desperately our kids need free play and they need outdoor learning. They need to be outside. They need to learn to self-regulate. They need to negotiate with other kids. They need to pretend. They need to have an imagination. All of those things are so, so important when we create environments for transformation. Finally, the last thing about in environments would be um, to consider, some of you are familiar with sticky faith. And most of us as children's people, we would say, if I have um, one worker, one volunteer for every five kids, I would have a great ratio, right? What Sticky Faith says is, let's flip that. Let's say for every one child, I want five adults to care about that child, five adults to invest in that child. And that is where we see transformation happen doesn't mean that five adults are going to be teaching one child, but it means that that child is connected enough in the church that five adults care about him. It's about the quantity of quality relationships. Smith and Denton, who wrote a really important work called Soul Searching, found that most of our teens don't really have adults in their life who care about them. And so if we want to have transformational ministries, consider ministry as five to one, as that you want every child in your ministry to have five adults who love and care for them. Okay. The next thing that we want to talk about is uh, the family as partner. The family as partner. I've got a, a slide up here, um, and I want you to look at that for just a moment. On the top, you see a Disney cruise line uh, ship. And on the bottom, you may not be able to see it because I think I'm down there, uh, is actually an aircraft carrier. <laughs> And I want you to consider, do the families in your churches, do the parents in your churches think children's ministry should be a cruise ship or an aircraft carrier? Do you operate your ministry as a cruise ship or as an aircraft carrier? Now, the difference between a cruise ship and an aircraft carrier, that's huge, right? A cruise ship is all about me. It's all about meeting my needs. It's all about the fun, the excitement the pleasure, uh, the food, all of those things, but it's all about me and the people who run a cruise ship are cruise ship directors, right? And their job is to make sure everybody's always having fun, that everyone's needs are met. On the other hand, an aircraft carrier is totally different, right? An aircraft carrier's focus is on receiving airplanes in, equipping them, fueling them, giving them whatever they may need, and then sending them out. So if you think about these two different illustrations, do your families, do your parents think about your ministry as you're a cruise ship director or that you're trying to have an aircraft carrier? In an aircraft carrier, you understand your mission. You understand that you're receiving the children in that you're training them, equipping them, giving them what they need, and then you're sending them out. That's transformational. Now, I understand that most of us probably spend most of our time as cruise ship directors and that kids enjoy that and parents seem to want that. 
But if we really want to have a transformational ministry, I think we have to begin to shift away from this idea that I'm a cruise ship director because it will wear you out to I am trying to receive kids in, train them, equip them, and send them out to fulfill the mission that God has given them. So in a transformational ministry, we're going to look at the family as a partner, not as a consumer. Okay, so that's kind of a big idea of what we want to do. Um, The next, I think this is the fourth thing that we're going to cover, so we're getting close to the end, is what are some pitfalls to avoid? Um, What are some things that we want to be careful not to do so that we don't have more of a trendy uh, ministry rather than a transformational? First of all, avoid crowdsourcing your ministry. What I mean by that is there's so many websites, so many Facebook pages where people give their latest and greatest and newest ideas. Um, And sometimes we look to those rather than asking God, what is it that you want to do at my church? So rather than looking to the crowd, whoever you may look to, ask God to give you convictional spirit-led ministry. In other words, quit looking around at all those around you and focus on what God may want you to do. Second thing is that oftentimes pragmatism trumps principle and philosophy. And and I've sort of mentioned this already. Um, Just because something works, which is what pragmatism is, doesn't mean it's what's best. It may work to throw 150 kids in a room uh, for an hour, hour and a half. But is that what's really best? And I understand that we need those large group times. I understand that there's reasons for that. I'm not saying that we should never have that. But let's be careful not to design ministry just on what works. Let's have principle and philosophy in how we do it. Another one might be that fear drives our decisions more than faith. Uh, We might sort of count the cost and the risk and say, well, it'd be great to be an aircraft carrier, but really my my parents want uh, us to be a cruise ship. And I I really just don't even want to take the risk of moving that direction because parents may not like it. And so making sure that we err on the side of faith rather than fear. Um, another pitfall would be, and I've mentioned this, that trendy and fun and hip and cool receives more emphasis and more budget dollars than transformational. Transformational is, um, is hard work. It's child by child. Um, and that's what it takes in order to have a transformational ministry. And then finally, um, sometimes we think the individual model and the community model are competing extremes. The individual model would say that we only want kids in the same age group with kind of age segregated, doing their own thing all the time, all about them. A community model would say, yeah, it's important to to meet the needs of those kids, but they also need to be a part of a bigger, a bigger group. They need to understand they're part of a church. They're part of a community of faith. and, And we want them interacting with with older adults, with younger adults, with kids their same age, we understand that generational influence is important. And so sometimes we think it's either one or the other. Either we've got to be all generationally segregated or we've got to all be together all the time. And in reality, we need a little bit of both in our ministries. Okay, So those are some pitfalls. Finally, um, let's talk just for a minute about some challenges that we have ahead of us in children's ministry um, that that could um, hurt our efforts to have a transformational ministry. These are kind of uh, things that are that are bubbling up in our churches that we need to be aware of. Um, first of all, peer to peer, child to child, sexual abuse. If you don't know it, it's on the rise. Um, 
Minors account for more than one-third of those known to police who have committed sex offenses against minors. And 25% of sexual misconduct cases were committed by minors. And so we've done um, somewhat of a better job monitoring our adults in our ministries. But what's coming to the surface now is because our kids have been so sexualized and have been so exposed to pornography at a younger and younger age that they're acting out on each other. So that's a challenge ahead that we've got to deal with, that we've got to be thinking about um, in how we do ministry. Another challenge or an opportunity is that ministry to fatherless homes and single parent families will be crucial in order to turn the tide of church decline. If you don't have kids in your ministry who are fatherless or who are in single parent families, then you're probably not reaching your community because our communities are full of those. And we've got to find a way to step up and to be that family and that community for those kids. And when we do that, I think we'll see our churches begin to be full again. The last one that I just want to briefly touch on, but I think is really important, is that gender identity issues are going to continue to create challenges for ministry all over the country and in churches that my students are in and churches that some of my family uh, is in uh, are struggling with this issue of what do we do when parents want uh, a biological sex child, say she's a biological girl, but wants to be a biological boy. What are we going to do when they want them to participate in the opposite biological gender? What are we going to do when they want to participate in overnight events? Um, And so The first thing that we have to do is we have to be proactive rather than reactive. The churches that I've talked to that didn't have this sort of figured out and it sort of burst onto the scene, they fell into that reactive category and it was really difficult. It was really hard on the church. It was really hard on the families. And so we've got to think ahead. And what that generally means is that we've got to think about our policies in our churches. We've got to think about our values that we may have written down, uh, our values statement, our mission uh, statement, whatever it is that your church has, constitution, bylaws, whatever it is, it needs to contain some language that defines how you're going to define gender. And that will inform how you're able to carry out activities. Um, because it is, it is true that overnight events are the most at risk right now. And many large churches, believe it or not, have actually quit doing overnight events with, with young children for partly this reason and partly the sexual abuse, but they don't, they're not wanting to have to address this issue uh, of what do we do when a child wants to participate in the opposite gender that they actually are, and that impacts our families. And so we've got some challenges uh, that, that, that may hurt us in, in, trying to, um, in trying to have transformational ministries, but I think if we'll get in front of some of these things, uh, one of my classes is actually tackling this problem right now, and so Uh, I think at the end of this slide is my email. If you want sort of some information on that, I'd be happy to share that with you. There it is right there. Um, My advanced childhood class is actually uh, gathering policies and statements from churches right now, and they'll be happy to share that with you. So in summary, I know we went really fast, um, but I would also, if you wanted to email me, I would also give you my PowerPoint uh, if you'd like to have that. But uh, if we want to have transformational ministries, we have to set that bar really high. And transformation is a high bar to hit. But we've got to understand the child. We've got to know the kind of environment that we think is going to work best. Uh, We've got to know the the parent structure and the family, how we want them to participate as an aircraft carrier rather than a cruise ship. We've got to understand the pitfalls, and then we've got to be ready for those challenges. Thanks for listening to today's episode. 
To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and institutes of children's ministry, visit our website, cogop.org children.